Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Carly Minogue, the Diminutive Collection. Every week, Kieran and Christy G revisit the Pop Princess's classic albums and enjoy once again some of her most marvellous musical moments. And in order to create the most definitive Kylie collection ever, we will choose two or more of the best songs from each of her studio albums that make us feel all Kylie smiley. And ditch the dodgy ditties that are Kylie Monono's. This week we step back in time to April 2018 to a moment when Kylie took yet another creative risk and went country for what was to become one of her most daring, personal and rewarding projects. We are not young. We are not old, we're the stories not yet told. We are golden. <laughs> Christian, what did you think about this album? Well, I remember hearing that there was a country album coming and I thought, my Lord, what's going on here? Because obviously it was a whole new uh, kettle of fish, wasn't it? It was like, what kind of what kind of route are you taking this time, Kylie? Um, so I, I guess I, I'm not a country fan, I have to admit. I'm not even a Dolly Parton fan, so... I, I don't know if that kicks me out of the gay club, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was a little bit nervous, a bit confused because I thought, well, that isn't really the direction I expected. So um, I kind of approached it with uh, with with caution. Yeah, I, I, when I found out that Kylie was going country, uh, you know me, I'm I'm a massive massive country fan, so it was so excited that she was sort of doing something like this, and I was very intrigued on how she was going to tackle it because I, I know it would have to be uh, Kylie's version of country. I, I can understand it's not going to be steel guitar and, you know, twang and all this kind of stuff. So it's kind of going to be her interpretation of country, which, which really, really excited me. Um, but before we get into the album, just a bit of a back kind of story. Um, each of the tracks written on this album was written by Kylie, making it her first album since Impossible Princess. Uh, that she's done something like this. So every single track was written by her. And a large portion of the record was recorded in Nashville, Tennessee, where she found inspiration in the music and also recorded some of the material in London and Los Angeles. Um, but it, we have to go back to 2017 when um, Minogue's own company, Dan Oates, signed a new record deal with BMG to release her mu- music. And production started in London and Los Angeles. And eventually... Um, with her recording majority of the, the album in, in, in Nashville. She commented about the process and inspiration in these locations in October 2017, stating, and I quote, I did a lot of work on the album before that, but Nashville had a profound effect on me. So musically, Golden really was kind of a, it is kind of a pop record-ish, but there is some kind of country sensibilities and dance sensibilities in there. Um, and it is really is one of her most kind of personal projects yet. And I think we have to thank her A&R guy uh, for suggesting incorporating country music into the record, uh, which she acknowledged positively, thank- thankfully, and then travelled to Nashville in July 2017 for two weeks to record uh, four songs. And she said it all started to make sense. We managed to find this country inspiration, but bring it back into my world. She described the result as being Dolly Parton standing on a dance floor. Um, so the album did so well when it was first released. It, it went to number one in Australia and number one in the UK. Um, in the UK, it sold 48,032 records in, in its first week of release. And 1,800 of those units were taken from the sales equivalent of streamings as reported by Music Week. So she sold a lot of physical copies of this album. 
And the album came in Oak 6 number one on the UK country charts and the, her first since Aphrodite 2010. In the UK also, the album also went number one on the vinyl album charts. It sold 6,400 records and became the fastest selling vinyl in 2018 and also became the fastest selling cassette of the year of that year also. We love our cassettes. Um, in Australia, Golden debuted at number one on the ARIA album chart with 8,745 copies, becoming her fifth studio album to debut at top of the chart, therefore making Golden's Minogue's the first album to peak the top of the chart in the UK and Australia in 17 years, a feat she accomplished in 2001 with Fever. Now, I just spoke a lot there. <laughs> I need to take a sip of water. Um, so, yeah... It, it, I love this album so much. I absolutely love this album. I, when I, you know, when it was released, she released loads of bundles on this, and I spent an absolute fortune. And aren't this. you responsible for uh, for all those sales of cassettes? <laughs> <laughs> I, in my collection, have one, two, three, four. I think five cassettes of Golden, and I think I literally on last count had twelve copies of the album. Because she released oh. like the picture disc, she's released like the big book and clear vinyl, normal vinyl, it, yeah, the CD, the deluxe CD, yeah, loads. I, you know, I, I, I'm hopefully that you know she's recording disco in her kitchen that I bought her for my sales of the last album. So, yeah, <laughs> interesting. Well, as much of of a fan I am, I, I, I'm not a collector. I have to admit, I know you're you're someone who loves your vinyl and and cassettes and VHSs and stuff like that. But I'm quite content with just downloading an album, maybe at least having the um, the physical deluxe version of the album, just so I got because I love to have my I like to see the spines of all of the uh, albums on my on my shelves. I like to have something physical. I still do that with DVDs and Blu-rays. I just don't. I, I don't like having just stuff floating in the air. I like to have the full, you know, the physical album in my, in my hand. But I don't think I can go as far as you in getting the picture disc, the see-through disc, the uh, invisible disc, the, <laughs> the gummy bear disc. I don't know all those. <laughs> All those ones are just a little bit too much for me, but I, but I, I, I do like the idea of it because I think it's lovely to have these kind of, you know, to be collecting things, and you know, at the end of the day, they're lovely things to cherish. And in twenty years' time, you know, it's also a worth very something. expensive thing as well. Like I really should stop it at some point because, you know, it's it's a lot of money, and even with the disco stuff that's coming out, and you know, I've just bought a lot of that as well. So, I, yeah, I've just got to check myself every now and then, just you know stop doing it because i'm just going to end up with one of those hoarders when i'm older just full of all kylie memorabilia being crushed to death by my <laughs> kylie collection can you imagine being found underneath all that we found him over here by a light years album <laughs> he was killed he by a fever through up. the floorboards no. through the deluxe clear edition of the vinyl of golden mm. <laughs> oh, God. now i know every time we do one of these episodes we always go back and re-listen to the albums mm. to, you know i make notes and so do you like Going back and revisiting this, did did you have a change of opinion on that? No, you see, this is funny. But, but, um, but what I didn't say before was when it did come out, I listened to it maybe a couple of times. And I have to admit, I didn't have the urge to listen to it much after that. So uh, I like the two singles. They were they were really kind of jaunty and fun, but I, I, I was kind of left a little bit cold by them because for me, they were just a little bit jangly. They were, they were all more production than song. They were very upbeat and they just had, for me, no kind of like meat. So... Then I listened to the album and nothing really jumped out. I mean, there's a couple of songs I quite liked, but nothing that I thought, oh, wow, that's that's a corker that I have to kind of listen to again. So um, 
I'm slightly ashamed to say that I kind of let, let Golden gather dust for a while. And it's only this week that I've been listening to it again in preparation for this. That, I, you know, like we've said many, many times before, that, you know, you, you hear it again with fresh ears. And actually, some of the songs do jump out. On the whole, it still does feel a little bit surface level country. And there are no songs that really, really grab me. Although there are, oh my God, th- there are two that have actually jumped out more than they did the first time. So when we get to those, I'll let you know. For, for yeah. me, this is my light years. Ah, this yeah. is because I know light years is your ultimate yeah. Carly album, yeah. but this I think is this is my light years, and this is very popular with people. So you're not the only one. Mm. But why is it? Why, why did you feel like that when you heard it for the first time? And obviously, you come from that country background. You you know you sing country, you listen to country. Um, what was it that you heard that really drew you in? I, I love the the first. I love the singles. Um, but I, th- I think it wasn't until I heard, uh, and we'll get to the track to talk in further detail, Sincerely Yours. Uh, I just thought that song was just incredible. Um, and I love the production. I think from a, a cohesive piece of work, I think this is probably one of the most cohesive, I think. Um, mm. Even the bonus tracks on the deluxe, you know, it's bar a little, bar a few, uh, really sort of work all as one cohesive piece. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, did, there, there's a, there's the, I, I love it. I did notice when listening back to it as a whole, and I kind of listened to it back, uh, each track back to back. Actually, I did it on random as well, which kind of just to play with my mind. Um, and I, I did notice actually that there, although there is this kind of very strong country sensibility to the songs, um, uh, there's also there are elements of dance in there. And in some cases it kind of works, and in some cases it kind of jars a little bit because there's some kind of dancey, piano-y type stuff going on in the choruses, but then there's kind of a jangliness that kind of makes it, for me, it doesn't quite gel. But I think at the time this album came out, there was a lot of kind of dance records that were kind of using that kind of country sound, wasn't there? There was a, I can't remember who, uh, there was some those kind of DJ kind of dance acts, they were kind of doing those songs that had that kind of like folky kind of sound. So I think maybe Kylie mm. had maybe been inspired slightly by this because there's a song on there on the album, which makes me think of one of those uh, acts. I guess it was kind of a, a sound at the time as well, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's also a very brave thing for her to do because this could, this could have went either way. This could have completely flopped and, you know, but I think she took a massive risk and it paid off. Um, and yeah, you know, touche. She's, you know, th- thankfully she did it. Let, 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 let's go through the tracks now and talk okay. through um, the first track on the album, which is the very first single as well, Dancing, which was released on the 19th of January 2018. Um, it received critical acclaim when it was released by music critics and for the music and production, with many of them highlighting it as one of her best singles to date. Commercially, the song performed moderately on the charts. It peaked at number 46 in Australia and 38 in the United <laughs> Kingdom, making Dancing Minogue's 51st single to make it into the top 40. Dancing entered the charts in Belgium, France, Hungary, New Zealand and Spain. God. In the United States, Dancing became her 14th number one single on Billboard's Dance Club Songs chart um, in its on, on the 12th of May 2018 issue. So strange that this song, which is... No, I, I wouldn't class this as a dance song. Went to number one on the dance charts and Billboard dance charts. I mean, I don't know. Does she ever, only ever get kind of like um, put onto that dance list? Because we were saying a couple of weeks ago that you know, even though she hasn't had massive like Billboard two hundred success in America, yeah, she's had lots. She's always chart. done quite well on the dance charts. So maybe she just seen as a dance artist and this was kind of going in that direction. I guess it was still quite jaunty, and maybe there was just stupid. They had the word dance in the title and thought, oh, it's a dance record. <laughs> 
But no, when I heard this for the first, they may not have listened to it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, I love this track. I absolutely, I was, you know, from when you put it on and you hear it, it makes me, it made me very excited to hear what the rest of the album's going to be like. I thought it was an absolute brilliant opener. Um, and the remixes were great as well, because there's a few remixes mm. out there in the market that are really, really good. Um, I love this song. And the video, we need to talk about the video as well. But first, what are your thoughts on this song? Well, I mean, when I first heard it, I actually loved it. It was amazing. It's got a really broad melody. It's very, very jaunty. It's very upbeat. You, you feel re- really, really happy, even though I think that the lyri- lyrics are not really about anything that chirpy, are they? No, no. no. <laughs> you can take it two ways. You can you know, you want to go out dancing in the clubs, or when I die, I want to go out having fun. Where I want to go out, you know, dancing. Like, and, and also with the video, you see her dancing with the Grim Reaper in, in one of the scenes. And I consider it one of Kylie's classic songs. So over the years, you know, you've got all those big, big stompers like spinning around and confide in me. And I think dancing is definitely one of those songs that is, you know, very kind of Kylie, very classic Kylie. And it's one of those songs that is, it's actually bigger than Kylie because it could be sung by lots of other people. But it's, um, I mean, obviously her tones make it sound very Kylie Minogue, but. Yeah. It's one of the songs that is, it should by rights be one of those classics that everyone knows. Hopefully, one that will become one of her modern classics. It's got, hopefully, she'll, it'll become like, you know, Better the Devil You Know will step back in time. It's going to be one of those songs where she'll continue to do it until she retires. Well, I, th- I think it already is, isn't it? It's kind of up there with, uh, like you say, Better the Devil You Know and also All the Lovers. I think it's kind of almost like a signature song for her now. Mm-hmm. Um, even though maybe the rest of the album isn't as memorable, that song is something that has. You know, it's very broad in its appeal. And I think whether you're a 60-year-old woman who can probably, you know, hike up your tights and do a little bit of a stomp to it to like a six-year-old child, it's got that kind of song, that that kind of melody that would really get you going. So I think it's one of those, it's, it's a great classic song. And, oh, and also, sorry, remix-wise, um, <clears throat> I didn't like the remixes, but I did like the initial talk one, which kind of gave it like an 80s feel. But initial talk do great remixes normally. But this one I didn't think was the best one. Um, they do a lovely one for um, Dua Lipa. Um, but this one, it was so good. you didn't like it, the Talk Talk remix? I, I did because it gave it that kind of 80s sound, but I didn't think it was yeah. as good as it could have been. It didn't have oh that... God, I um, I really, you know, well, I, I preferred it to the other two remixes. I didn't think it worked very well as a in their their, their other kind of remixes. I, I, as I keep saying every week, I would like to hear those kind of good old fashioned pop remixes done by Car Hill or Seventh Heaven or or whoever. I just want to hear, you know, the same song but with a disco beat. And the other the other remixes were a little bit too uh, a bit left of center for my liking. Stop Me From Falling, the second track on the album. Mm. This was the second single released on the 9th of March, 2018. Reached number 52 in the UK and didn't even chart in Australia. Australia, what's going on? <laughs> Embarrassed. It was such a great song. Was it released in um, Australia? It was. It didn't so, even chart. How did, how did it not chart? Did no one buy it? <laughs> I have no idea. How does it's it such work? a <laughs> banger of a song. It's great. Um, I think it's one of the most upbeat songs on the album. And and oh. when we went to see the Golden Tour, one of the highlights of the show, in my opinion, um, and it wasn't, you know, I, I just don't know why it didn't do well. This song is a banger. And the and the recreate of, she went and re-recorded it, or, not, or kind of remixed it actually, um, by roping in Genta di Zona, uh, which was equally amazing. And that was released on the 20th of April, that version. 
um, and they did a video for that as well. Like, it's just so good. The song is amazing. I really like it. It's, it's in, insanely upbeat. I think it's even more upbeat than um, than dancing. And they, they come as a, a great couple of um, upbeat songs. Um, I, I really love the version with the, the guest artists. I think it's really good. Um, I can't imagine why it didn't do well. But I, I think we've kind of come to realise now that Kylie isn't maybe a singles artist anymore. I think people buy the album. So... I guess if they bought the album, then they, they had the songs already, so they weren't going to start downloading the song individually or buying the song. So maybe that's probably why it's not done very well. Um, and this is the video. Hang on, this is, might be a little is, con- controversial moment. Hold on. Why doesn't Kylie just drop an album like Beyonce or Taylor Swift? Don't do singles. Just drop it. A surprise album. I mean, we'll all shit ourselves, but wouldn't that be an amazing tactic? It's and, worth and a try. The collectors, the collectors like us, still have you know the singles of you know the the singles earmarks, so you still can buy your seven inch clear discs of you know say something or magic or something like that still on the shops, so you still get that revenue coming in. But oh, I think for the next one, for you know for her Xanadu recover of the album, R.I.P. Yeah. album, the yeah. rock album, Kylie's going to do on the next. Um, iteration of of her album stuff. She should just release it. Don't don't worry about singles. I think you're right because I mean, look. I mean, in some ways, when you look at the, when you look at the chart figures of some of the singles, they kind of they kind of ruin that old, that lovely 1988 uh, to 1992 run of hits, and uh, yeah. you kind of think, oh god, it's awful. Is there any point in releasing things? I think looking at those numbers is so depressing sometimes. But we, yeah. are, but obviously, the world's a different place now, and music isn't the same as it used to be, and things are listened to in different ways. And you know, I think there's nothing, there's no harm in trying to. You know, maybe surprise your audience into just everyone just downloading. Even if there was a countdown, it'd be amazing. We don't hear any songs. There's a countdown to this, this whatever date it's going to be, and or as you say, maybe just surprise people by dropping an album. Who knows? And also, but, yeah, and with this day and age with COVID, we don't know when live shows are going to be. You know, coming back next, and you know, what, like she should be doing, she should be doing magic, but doing an online. Everyone pays money, and she's there performing a few songs. For like they're they're gonna have to rethink a lot in terms of because that's where the money gets made with touring. So she probably needs to look at you know more merchandise ranges, uh, what she can do online. Well, I know I know we're going off topic a little bit here, but you're right about that because I mean in the lead up to the album, I think we should be seeing Kylie do some live stuff, and she didn't do anything during lockdown. And there were so many great people who cleverly, cleverly took lockdown and turned it into a career move. I mean Sophie Ellis Baxter revived her career by doing oh, that totally. weekly kitchen disco and she did that for 10 weeks she's very clever she did 10 weeks of doing half an hour shows in our lovely house um kind of doing the same songs every week but then throwing in a couple of songs from previous albums that maybe i hadn't heard and that made me go revisit those albums so that has now led to her obviously doing a whole big tour next year doing a kitchen disco album so kylie let me down a little bit because i thought she could have done something similar um, mm. Sophie obviously did that for free, but then so uh, Sarah Alto also did something where she did this brilliant uh, set of songs in her house in Finland, and it was an hour and a half. It was a brilliant show. It was quite intimate. It was on a piano, but it was something that was sensational. And that, Kylie hasn't done that. And and I know she, just recently she's been doing these at home performances for American TV. But you know what? Think about the big fan base that you need to kind of revive and try and get them to to get kind of caught up in the in the moment again. I mean, I'm surprised with Kylie's um power. She hasn't got some channel trying to do some live 
uh, mm. live show from her from her garden, or even just hire a studio. Everyone be like, you know, and film it. Which the fan base is out there, eager for Kylie content. Will pay, you know, a ticket of what they would have seen her at the O2 to, you know, watch it at home. Exactly. Well, I, I know I would. It's like in cinemas where you can go along to watch. Uh, a filmed version of a theatrical performance. You can just do this through our TVs now. We can do. I mean, um, recently they had Fleabag that was available on Amazon, I think. So you could download that, and they were raising money for the yeah. theatre. So you know, there's ways of doing it. And even if, you, even if it's not live, you can record it live somewhere, and then we just all download it yeah. and buy it. <clears throat> I mean, it, it's almost like when you when you release a, a concert video a year later, it's the same kind of thing. Just record it, do it socially distanced, and then. You know, at least we get to see the performances and all these videos she's been doing recently. The, the the magic video. I mean, she could have done four or five songs as a kind of a bonus. Oh, here's a four or five songs from my album, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But anyway, we can argue this over and over. Hopefully, she's listening and she'll take note. <laughs> the mm. next track is "Golden." Uh, this was the fourth single released on the 28th of May, 2018. I love this song. I love the spaghetti western <laughs> opening. The I love that. Um, this song, I think, is a truly personal song. It's about her turning 50, the reflection of her career and life. Uh, it was written by Australian Lindsay Rhymes, Liz Rose, who uh, is a Grammy winner, who wrote for um, Taylor Swift as well, and Steve McEwen, who's also written with Kylie. She opened this track on her golden tour, and I, I loved it. This is this probably, in addition to Sincerely Yours, one of my favourites on, on the golden album. I do like this song a lot. I don't like the spaghetti western sound because really? it just is a little bit jarring for me. But the song itself is actually a very good song. It's very very catchy. In fact, I woke up this morning and that song was in my head. So and I was singing the chorus, um, and I really like it. It's a very very good song. It's just those little elements that, <laughs> that just bug me a little bit, only because they're so repetitive that they just they're, they're kind of like irritants. And if you just pull them away, you, you I remember you saying before that Kylie had said something about every song's got the Dolly Parton thing. And if you strip that song back, it'd be so much nicer to hear it without all that nonsense. Yeah, I, I kind of get where you're going with that. Uh, the song itself is great. The verses, I, I prefer the verses to the chorus, weirdly. I think it's, the melody is really lovely there. But it's, it's a good song. It's a great song. It was a great opener to the show as well. And it was, a, I don't know, you know, as I said, listening back to this album, you, originally when I went into the album, I was kind of initially kind of cautious about, oh, country. And I immediately, the shutters came down. But now that I've kind of uh, relaxed over the past couple of years, I hear the songs as songs now, and you know they actually stand out more. And this one is one of those standout songs. It's up there with the first two singles, actually. It's, you know, it's very, very strong. So um, it's, a, it's, it's a very good song. I, as I said, just those elements. If I if I could have less of those, I'd be quite happy. A lifetime to repair is the fourth track on the album. It didn't chart when it was released in the UK or Australia. Oh God. Um, a song about getting over heartbreak. I like this song, but controversially, I think I'm going to get a hate mail for this. I'm not a fan of the countdown leading into the pre-chorus. Six, five, yeah, I'm, four, three, I'm not two, a fan. one. <laughs> I think they could have left that out. And obviously the song is about her breakup it... with that vile creature who he shall not be named. Um... <laughs> In next week's guest, Joshua Sassy. <laughs> not really fans. <laughs> He'd probably do it, I reckon. Fame hungry whore. Oh, I'm sure he would. We could talk, talk about his film and TV career. It wouldn't take long. <laughs> I weirdly, and I I can't believe I'm saying this. I actually quite like this one, but it's kind of a weird song because if it is about her breakup, but she's getting over it very well, and maybe this is her reason. Maybe she's kind of saying, "Look, you broke my heart, but look at me, I'm happy as Larry." Because the song is really jaunty and it's got that ridiculous kind of dun 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 dun. Oh, hang on, that's another song I'm singing. What am I trying to sing there? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm singing "Seasons of the Sun" there. Seasons. In the, um, 
But it's got a really jaunty chorus, and then it kind of uh, yeah, the, the number thing is a little bit odd, but I don't mind. I, I can live with it. But it's it's got a great rousing chorus again. So it's one of those songs that you kind of, you know, you get your you're a bit like bag of chips, and you're, you you've got your fist going up in the air like oompa oompa. I love it. Yeah, it's probably like you know, it's it's like I should be so lucky because that song was is a sad song dressed up in a kind of up tempo pop tune. Mm. So. Yeah, but I'm, yeah, it's not one of my favourites on the album. I, I like it, but it's one of those, if they just would have got rid of the countdown, I would have been much, much happier. The next track, <laughs> however, is the greatest song ever written and ever recorded, Sincerely Yours. It's absolutely my favourite. Um, uh, it's a love letter to us, the fans, I think. It's it's a personal thank you to me for buying her that new kitchen with all the official merch I bought. <laughs> so I, I took that as an official thank you to me. I really, really want, this to become a modern Kylie classic. I really, really do. And I think it's just utterly beautiful. It's it's perfection. It is perfection. Now, this song is the one that I did, that did jump out at me on, on this, this new listen. And it is a very beautiful song. For me, it doesn't feel like it's part of a country album. It sounds for me, it's very eighties. It sounds like it's a kind of a soundtrack song that you could have gotten in one of those eighties rom-coms, um, which and I think it's brilliant. It sounds timeless. It doesn't sound like it's part of this album. It's got an amazing chorus. I love the chorus. I think it's absolutely a brilliant song. And you're right. I think this, and I wish this had been maybe heard by more mm. people. Again, this could have been one of a Kylie classic. A single. Because it kind of reaches, it reaches different, different kinds of people. It's not high energy disco. It's not, you know, it kind of reaches all kinds of age groups, mm. I think. But it, it feels like one of those songs that is... You know, almost like a one-hit wonder song from the '80s, where it's like um, it doesn't matter who sung it; it's one of those songs that will linger forever, and you'll always remember it. But unfortunately, you need to hear it to fall yeah. in love with it. <laughs> so, you know, we're lucky that we have, but a lot of people haven't had the chance. No, after I finish, we finish recording this. I'm just going to go and listen to it because I just absolutely love it. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. You know what? I, I, as I said, I kind of kicked myself when I when I heard it back because um, I just thought, God, I've really missed out on this song because it's actually very, very, very pretty. Mm. So um, I really liked it. The next track is One Last Kiss. And for me, now, if anyone's out there that is tech savvy, I'd like someone to do a mix mash, like a mashup of Stop Me From Falling and One Last Kiss, because I think they would mix very well in together because they sound very similar, the backing and the tempo and stuff. So I would love to hear a medley of these two together or a mashup or a glee you know, explosion of these two songs. The one problem I had with this album, I think this is what put me off the first time, is there were too many songs that opened in the same way. They had that kind of jangly opening, and this is another one that has that kind of opening, and it immediately my eyes roll, and I just think, oh, God, not another one. I really like it. Well, no, I'm not going to say I really like it. I like the verses. The verses are quite nice, quite pleasant. I like the, the melody. The chorus is good. It's not strong enough to really hold my attention, mm. um, and it's a little bit too country for me. It's a bit kind of like too kind of, you know, in a barnyard. Um, but if you took away all those elements, I think you would find a pretty good song. So I'd love to hear this. This is what I would love to have heard. You've got your country CD, and then I would have loved to have heard maybe a pop oh. version of all the songs. I think because I'm not used to it, and also because I don't like it, it immediately puts up a wall between me and the song itself. Because as I said, if, if you were to maybe acoustically play these and just hear the songs and just the chords, I think the songs would be amazing but because there's a lot of production that's quite busy it makes the songs quite there's a distance between me and the song for now until you, I, I, until, I think until you get under its skin mm. 
then that's when the song becomes part of your heart. But at the moment, a lot of these kind of put me off because they had this country sheen that just kind of made me think, oh, God, I can't bear it. <laughs> it's funny you should say that, like, they have two versions of the album, one country and one pop. Shania Twain did that back in the 90s with Up, I think, <gasps> with her album. She did kind of a... Was that with the red album, the blue album? Yeah, the blue and the green one, I think. There was... There was Oh, yeah, blue I, think, green. I think so. Don't oh, it could be red. I have no idea, but um, there were she did she did two um, versions, and also she her. But why did she do that? They sounded the same. I thought because I, I only bought that album for Kiching at the other disc. It sounded a little bit more kind of eastern. Yeah, there was an eastern. So influence. I don't know what kind. Of, but also, if I wasn't quite what, sure what she was trying to do. You can also <laughs> track down Shania's "Come On Over," the original release of "Come On Over." That is a country mm. album, but then she released it as a pop album much later. And, and from oh. this moment on, which is a beautiful song, the original version was a duet with a country artist called Brian White. And then when she re-released it, it was just her version. So there's two, there's a country version of the oh. album, Come On Over, which I implore everyone who loves country to go and seek out and find because it's a, it's a, it's much better than the re-release of the pop version of the album anyway we digress let's move Ooh. on to live a little and for me it's funny because when i look at the track album uh, the track listing on the album i can immediately look and sing along to the songs when i see the title but for for live a little Ooh. it i can't seem to recall it which means it's probably for <laughs> me the most unmemorable of the album like normally i can sing the choruses Ooh. of all the songs that i see on the, the track list but when i'm like I, I can't seem to recall when i see live a little I have this emotional mental block when I see it. But when, when I listen to it, <laughs> Maybe, I, I thought the chorus was great, but it kind of leaves me a little bit underwhelmed. Probably that's why I don't remember it. Uh, but it's funny because I think this song is a great pop song. Again, this is one that's been slightly... The country production kind of takes away from the melodies. The verses are brilliant. I love the The verses are a great melody. And actually the chorus is very good. And it's got a little bit of, this is the one this is the this one of the songs that has that kind of slightly dancey element in the chorus that has a little bit of jangle over the top. And then there's a little bit of weird kind of like dance dance mm-hmm. music in it. And I think there's weird rhythms in the chorus that take away from from the melody a little bit. And so this I think the song could be a really brilliant, brilliant pop song. But I think it's just just the production's a little bit too heavy-handed in the, in the chorus, and so I don't really get to enjoy the chorus as much as I want to, but I think the verses are beautiful. I love the melody in the verses. I think it's, it's actually uh, one of my favourites on this oh, album. Wow. So it's weird that you say that it's the one yeah. you forget. But then having said that, the first time, I, first time I played it, and then listening to it again, I didn't even recognise the title, so there you go. <laughs> Shelby 68 is the next song, and this song is about her father's prized car, the Shelby 68, which is a Mustang. Ah, now, I, as I said, I haven't listened to this album probably for two years, but when we were chatting to DJ Argonaut, he said this was a good, this is one of his favorite songs. So I actually listened to it. And it's actually got a really great chorus. It's great songs and amazing kind of, it, you know, it's about a car. I feel like I should jump in a car <laughs> with the roof down, the sun in my hair. Of course, I can't drive, so that would be illegal. But it was, um, it's a really good song. It's, it's a sunshine. It's got a sunshine chorus. It makes you feel sunshine even on a rainy day. Now I hope everyone's comfortable because I'm going to give you a bit of a history lesson on the Shelby '68 car. Oh no, sleep story coming up. <laughs> so in 1968, the GT500 KR. So this was at the beginning of the April 1968. Ford began factory installing a version of the 428 engine known as the Cobra Jet. The GT500 was subsequently known as the Cobra GT500KR. The initial KR stood for King of the Road. Shelby's 
King of the Road Engine, was left stock adding die-cast aluminium veil covers with Cobra Le Mans to note Ford's FE engine family victory over Ferrari at Le Mans in 1966 and 1967. I've no idea what I just read and have no idea of comprehension of what that meant. So hopefully that meant something to someone out there, but it sounds like a good car. Mm, And so Kylie's dad had this. Yeah, which means it must have come from money. Because that's, it looks Ooh. quite an expensive car, the Shelby 60. It's a Mustang. So it must have some cash. Oh, Ron and his accounting must have did quite well. Well, accountants, they always make lots of money. So, yes, I assume. Um, but also, 68, I always thought referred to the fact she was born in 1968. So it's kind of convenient that he had the car and he had a daughter in the same year. So bingo. bingo. <laughs> yeah, he's still got it, apparently. Radio On is the <laughs> next track on the album. And I love, love Love this song. Her vocal is so raw and personal. I could picture her singing this in my living room, basically. It just seems so... It's the most personal thing on the album, I think. It's such a great song. Again, an achievement in songwriting for her. Um, It's just a phenomenal song. I'm not sure what song you're listening to because, well, for one, aside from S Club Junior's song Goodbye Radio, there's not one song I know with the word radio Radio in the title that is good. I hate that song. I hate anything with a song radio in it. On the radio, hate it. Uh, that Madonna song with radio in it, I hate it. In fact, oh, th- this song for me is dull, it's bland, it's tuneless, it's forgettable. It's, You've not oh, listened it, to the words, have so you? You've just listened to the tune, right? Oh, of course. of course. Well, that's the thing. You know, I don't listen I to lyrics. I listen to the melody. And the melody is so wishy-washy bland that I'd turn the radio off. And in fact, I think the radio would turn itself off if the song came on because it's that dull. Never listen to this while operating a heavy machine. <laughs> I think you're very, very harsh. I think you need to go back and re-listen to this and listen to the lyrics. So what are the lyrics? Explain to me the lyrics because, as I said, the melody-wise, it's a, it's not good for me. But lyrically, no, give I'm me a little low. bit of a I'm taking you a task. Go back and listen to the lyrics for me and and see if your opinion changes and, and drop a line on the, the Diminutive Collection Instagram and let us know what you think, if, if your opinions have changed. Maybe I will and maybe I won't. I'll see if I can be bothered. <laughs> if I get through the song, I'll be very, very, um, uh, I'll be very lucky. So yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll let people know Brilliant. what I think, but um, don't hold your breath. Love is the next track. And, and again, for me, this is another one I live a little. When I see it, I can't immediately recognize it. Um... And when I listen to it, I think it's okay. It's good. It's okay. It's not a standout. Probably that's why, again, I can't recognize it in my brain. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's fine. It, it, I'm glad it's on there because it exists. But yeah, it's, it's kind of a neutral track for me. See, again, I quite like this one. Um, it's again, another one I didn't really remember, to be honest. Um, I listened to it and I like it, but again, it's got the country claptrap in it. And it, that kind of, again, take the, I don't want to be a broken record, but it, again, it it puts a wedge between me and the song a little bit because it doesn't, I, I don't warm to it immediately. Um, but I think melody wise and, and, you know, it's a really sound song. It's a really good pop song. I think um, if you took away all the, all the kind of trappings, I kind of wish, I mean, I understand what she was trying to do and it's quite good to have a cohesive album and have everything sound kind of in one genre, but it's never stopped the before from doing stuff before. And I think maybe it was just, a little bit overkill with all the kind of jangly guitars and all those kind of sounds and the kind of rhythms, which I think were a little bit too much over the course of an album of a lot of songs. This is the same as the next one, Raining Glitter. So this is the third single from the album released on the 28th of March, 2018. This was a single? single. It didn't chart though. It didn't chart. I didn't even know that. Um, I thought this was a very interesting choice for a single. I would have preferred Sincerely Yours, as you know, uh, as, as something a little bit more personal. 
Um, this, I think, for me, isn't a country song. It's it's it's, it's a very pop song. It's very dancey. When it comes on, <laughs> I find myself bopping. Um, and I would have loved, loved, loved to have heard some more remixes of this song. I think it would have been amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I did like this song. It's just, a, a, again, it's a shame it didn't really get heard or, or listened to from outside the fan base. Yeah, this is one of those ones that isn't quite in keeping with the rest of the album. In some ways, this is like a lightweight, your disco needs you, or an Aphrodite. It's got that kind of really upbeat dance floor, kind of pop disco-y kind of sound. I mean, it's obviously produced in a slightly different way, but the the chords and the, the melody are very kind of like pop and very high energy. Mm. Um, the one thing I can't bear in it is that whoop <laughs> thing, noise. The, the whoop, I can't bear it. <laughs> Can't bear it. This is, a, I think, this is a youth thing because you know all this young music we have these days. It's not really about melodies. It's about having these kind of little kind of motifs in songs, or little, these bits of songs where they're just irritating, repetitive sounds, which I think are meant to, you know, like you try and attract a, attract a child by, you know, making funny noises to keep them happy. Yeah. I think that's what producers do now with young people because they've got such short attention spans that they have to have melodies that are very, very kind of like irritating or have a sound in it that's just so repetitive you just can't help but remember it and I, that whoop thing that, that kind of ruins it for me but the rest of the song is amazing music's too sad without you is the last track on the standard edition of the album uh and this was the last single mm. released for the album <clears throat> it was released on the 15th of october it didn't chart except for reaching number 27 <laughs> in the uk indie chart um this song was apparently <laughs> written oh, a few weeks before kylie went to nashville um, it's a great song for me. It just has Jack Severetti written all over it. It just sounds like one of his songs. And I, I, I think it's great. Interesting that it ended the album. Um, I thought, I thought you know, a more uppy kind of song would have been more of a wiser choice to end the album, but for, for the standard edition. But I, I like this song. It is very him. And I, I guess it was at the end of the album because it doesn't really fit into the, it doesn't really fit into the rest of the album. It doesn't have that, country element that sound to it and it could have they could have actually thrown a few this is worth me to say but this one probably would have sounded a little bit better if it had a bit more uh maybe it could have had just sliding guitar in there mm. because it just feels like it's out of place a little bit it's a very beautiful song i think it's lovely because i i like jack's voice i think he's an amazing artist and um incredibly handsome of course but uh but he um i don't know there's hmm, i don't know there's something about it no, it just feels very downbeat for the rest of the album, which is very, very perky. But um, I think he was very happy to work with Kylie. He's spoken lots about having a great working relationship with her. And, you know, they seem to have a lot of time for each other. And I don't know. It's one of the, I like it. It's a nice album. They performed it a few times on TV. So uh, it was quite nice to watch. Lost Without You is the first track, or, or, well, the first bonus track on the deluxe. And this song... Oh my god, it's amazing! Probably one of Kylie's best. And I didn't know this when I was doing my research, but this was released as an Australian-only single on the 9th of November 2018, uh, a digital single. I mean, it's I, for me. I think it's a crime that it didn't appear on the standard edition of the album. But I can understand why, because it does sound a little bit different in terms of sound and style. And you could tell this probably recorded before the Nashville um, sessions, so to speak. Um, but I just would have loved to have had this song on the cassette edition of the album so I could listen to it on my Walkman. Uh, I think it's sheer perfection from the, the talking in the beginning through the production to the arousing chorus. 
Oh, I loved it as soon as I heard it. It's such a great song. <laughs> My God, we're like chalk and cheese today because I thought, well, originally I thought it might be a cover of Delta Goodrum's Lost of Lady, but sadly it didn't turn out to be that one. Um, the verses were very, uh, again, this is one that sounded like an 80s soundtrack for me. I could imagine it in the Mannequin film. Um, and the chorus starts all right, but it goes nowhere. And so for me, it kind of, it was a little bit of a lackluster, oh, a lackluster entry. And I can see why it got left off. Um, I liked it. Nothing special oh God, for me. It's one of her bests. Every little part of me is the second bonus song on the deluxe. And I just, I, I wonder why this was not included either. I mean, I suppose she didn't want, you know, her whole album, but she's, she's releasing 16 tracks on disco. Why couldn't she release, you know, 16 to 20 tracks on golden? But anyway, I, I think this is very much in the vein of the song golden. Every little, every little part of me. However, for me, the chorus sounds very much like Garibay to me. Um, maybe that's why it didn't oh, fit. Right, yeah. I don't know. Well, it does sound more dancey. I, I thought this was more dancey than the rest of the album. I mean, it doesn't, it's got great tune. Well, my only reservation is the fact that I think her voice is a little bit too high in the chorus. Um, but I think the chorus sounds really good. And I think it's a great dance song. I think if this had been, if this had appeared on one of her other albums in, in the guise of a dance song, this might have been a more successful song than it is on here. I think it's not quite produced the way the song deserves to be rolling we'll move on to the the next track and this was the b-side to the dancing single if you would have bought the um vinyl um i think it's a great song it's great catchy tempo and chorus i, I really like it well it's got a very similar opening hasn't it to uh, to uh to dancing and um stop me from falling mm. it's very it's, it's it's kind of very similar i kind of wish now that thinking about it, it i think maybe kylie should have just done a, a country ep and just had you know maybe six songs that's all are all this and then I don't know have just more of a kind of general album because it's for me it's I mean the album did well it, it sold yeah. well and it obviously kind of revived people's interest in her but it's still one of those albums that feels novelty to me a little bit really? and it just doesn't yeah it doesn't feel like it's genuine because I mean I know we went from Fever to uh, body language to body language and from dance to R and B but at least. It's kind of in the same, I don't know, it just felt weird. It felt like a little bit like, and Kylie does do this a little bit sometimes. She kind of jumps on a bandwagon when the bandwagon is just already kind of left. And, you know, at that time you had all these people who were doing all these songs and what were those? The Mumford, Mumford and Sons. Mumford and Sons. <laughs> There's still in the market today, this country pop sound. No, I, I know. And there's, there's, there's shows around the UK where, um, I mean, there's the Shires. There's loads of bands who are doing really, really mm-hmm. well in that kind of country. And I think, you know, I, I'm one of these suckers who, I mean, I like my own groove. I like my pop groove. Um, and I do sometimes forget that sometimes the, the country market is huge in the UK. And we don't necessarily sit on television or read about it. But we forget that there's lots of people out there who actually go and enjoy that kind of music. I guess for me, I'm used to Kylie as pop Kylie. And I wasn't sure if I was ready for country Kylie. But, I mean, as as I said, we've listened to these songs again this week and... They're actually more pop than I remember. I, 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 it's just that thing where the, the jangles just, those jangles just get to me a little bit too much. I feel like she needed to do this album. Um, putting Kylie Christmas aside, her kind of, the the album that was previous was Kiss Me Once, which obviously, as we know, wasn't the best. And that was a pop album. So I think she needed to do something a little bit different uh, in order, maybe for her own creativity or maybe just to, scratch that itch um but i think she, she she was very wise too i don't think she could have come back 
after Kiss Me Once and did another Kiss Me Once, if that makes sense. But it's refreshing not to hear electro-pop because, I mean, it, it was getting very, very tired. What went wrong for me was she, I, th- I felt she was kind of trying to stay current with what was going on uh, with pop artists who were 30 years younger, and you don't need to do that. You just need to create great pop mm. music that doesn't have to have the current sound because ultimately those current sounds sound so dated, and I hate to be a broken record and say that your, the Light Years kind of album doesn't have a current sound for the year 2000. It had a sound that was kind of like, you know, it was a generic disco sound, which could be, you know, you you know, it could be recorded in the 80s, those kind of songs that are timeless. And I think the upcoming disco sounds like it's not going to be too set in 2020. It sounds like an album that could, you know, that could have been released 10 years ago or 10 years before that because it's got that kind of generic sound so um i guess it was nice to hear something different but i think she just went overboard on on that jangly guitar thing because i just want to get a guitar and smash it across the wall <laughs> the last track on, on the <laughs> album is low blow uh this has got a really funky opening and beat i think it works great again i would have loved to have seen this on the standard album as i think it would have been a great addition to for me but i think it's a fun song love the chorus and yeah i think it's really really cool it's got a bit of a 60s sound for me. It sounds like some kind of, I would love to have heard this done as one of those kind of, you know, when all the pop acts in the in the 90s were doing 60s and 70s pastiches or when S Club Juniors and S Club were doing the 60s pastiches. It kind of sounds it's from that kind of that kind of ilk. Um, and I like it. It's got a quirky melody. And the chorus reminds me of one of Megan Trainor's songs, the bit toward the end of the chorus. It just makes me think, oh, God, that sounds a bit like Megan Trainor. But um, it's a good song. Um, to be honest, all the songs kind of deserve to be on the proper album but i mean all the songs yeah. are available anyway yeah, they're so all available on spotify but yeah it would have been great to have it as mm. a physical all-in-one album i mean that they, they do it on the deluxe but yeah and yeah it's very interesting mm. that they did the two versions let's talk very quickly because i know we're nearly running out of time uh on the golden <laughs> tour um this was the 15th concert that she's ever done it began on mm. the 18th of september 2018 in newcastle at the Metro Radio Arena and concluded on the 17th of March, 2019 in Australia um, at Siromet Wines because she did the kind of wine festival tour in Australia. The, Ooh, so she got the idea for her maybe, own wine. We need to, maybe we should review the wines of one episode, Christian. Like just have an yeah, episode of just I, drink I wines and get absolutely hammered. So mm. what did you think of this tour? The show, um, I went to see it twice, and I did enjoy it. But it was, I mean, it was a, it's an odd thing, because the staging was odd, because normally the shows are very flamboyant with lots of lights, and, you know, you have Aphrodite with all the kind of set design and projections. And you had projections in, the, in this tour, but bizarrely, for the first few songs, or the first maybe half of the show, it felt very, uh, the staging felt very, it felt too big for Kylie because you had this massive projection in the background. Then you had this tiny little Kylie on the stage. And I was kind of far back on one of the, one of the shows in the crowd. And it just felt like she was a bit small. And because it wasn't like one of her dance kind of um, tours, it didn't have, it didn't, she didn't fill the stage in the way that she has previously. So I found it a little bit, um, irritating, and, and the other thing I um, I would say is I remember the first time I went to it when I was in the kind of crowd, I was surrounded by lots of women of a certain age, probably my age, um, who obviously had grown up with Kylie, and I know a lot of her song, the, a lot of the songs she did on that night, she really transformed some of the old songs into songs that didn't sound like they were back in the day, and I remember seeing the interest in those women completely disappear. I know when she did um, 
as it kind of getting in my head and confiding me. They were done in very different ways, and I could just see the, I could see these women around me just kind of lose interest in the songs completely because they weren't what they had remembered. And I think maybe Kylie needs to remember that, you know, there's a lot of fans who kind of go. She's a bit like Panto in a way. People will go and see Kylie because they want to hear the the fun songs that they grew up with. It's that kind of memory. But can't you, if, and just if you on, want to do that, can't you just listen to it on Spotify? Because like, I think for her, I, and going to the Golden Show and the whole concept of the country stuff, I, I expect different versions of the songs in that kind of style because you kind of want to make it a cohesive show. It needs to all work in a kind of a narrative, right? Yeah, I agree. But then you had kind of got me out of my head. I had that horrible, horrible. I didn't like the arrangement of that because it then led into that song that's like the racing, the Grand Prix racing theme. It's horrible, horrible. That was one of my least favorite moments of any kind of show. I thought it was terrible, terrible choice of uh, song. I just thought the staging was a little bit flat. And I remember watching it again on TV afterwards, and I obviously seen the DVD and. It just feels like you're watching her walking through sludge. It just feels very slow and laboured. And then the, the other thing I didn't get was we then go to New York City in the second half of it, and it just felt like, what's going on here? Is it like a road movie we're on? Um, it felt very weird. And then obviously on the disco bit, and I'm going to sound like a broken record again, but there was no good disco needs in the disco bit. We had that awful, awful, horrible new song, New York City, which I think is terrible. Yeah, um, but it would have worked. But in my head, I thought, you've got disco, you've got cowboys. Why didn't you theme it about around the around the village people, and then you could have had all five of all of the village people kind of represented in some way during the show? So you had the cowboy um, village person, you could have had the disco village person. I don't know. It would have. It, I don't know. It, it was a it was a mishmash. I don't understand the flow of it. The f- Though I will say, I did love the blue velvet. Um, oh, yeah, it was amazing. Screen. I thought it was great. The, the there was an interval through the the show, as you mentioned. Um, and that separated the concert into two halves. The, um, the creative director, Rob Sinclair, created a show narrative that was set in the 70s and heavily influenced with Western films, you know, featuring an abstract road movie. Um, influences of the concerts were also amplified by the G-shaped guitar and the glitter runway. But I, I think so that's where they were going. It was a 70s thing. So you had the kind of spaghetti westerns. You had Studio 54 because the concert would divide into seven distinct sections. There was Desert Sunrise, The High and Dry, Nothing Behind Me, Everything Ahead of Me, The Lovers United, At the Picnic After the Biker Rally, New York City, and The Nashville <laughs> Rider. So that the seven sort of distinct things. So I think she was going for the whole 70s package for this concert which when you watch it on no, tv I, I you see that with a shine because there's it's filtered the whole thing is filtered in a way that there's got that kind of sheen 70s filter throughout the the recorded concert it didn't begin big it began with a whimper i mm. felt it didn't grab you like other shows have yeah, been. No, a, yeah. a lot of kylie shows yeah. and in fairness to our friend uh uh william baker he knew how to get a, a show started he knew how to get a party started and, you know, it would be this massive thing. There might be a bit of a lull where you go to the toilet in the middle. But this one just started off so slow and with such little energy that it kind of is a little bit boring, dare I say. And it's, I think mainly it's because the screens are so big and the action is so small. If this had been done in a theatre, then this would have been an amazing show. Because it was done, uh, because we saw it in an, in like an arena, it's completely lost. Um, and I think that could be, this would actually be lovely um, in a theatre. I think it would be so much more intimate. And I, I, I kind of wish, I know Kylie obviously sells out these arenas, but it would be lovely for her to do a theatre tour again because I think it would be amazing uh, for her to just be a bit more intimate. And this country album is an intimate 
sound, mm. I think. So to have it in such a big arena, I mean, it would have been great to have it in the round. So if she had been slap bang in the middle of the arena and we were all around it, like we were around the campfire, then I think the album, then it would have worked brilliantly. I don't think we needed the big screens. I don't think we needed all of that. We could have kept it like hay bales and, you know, or, or whatever. You could have kind of themed it very, very country, but then not had all the, I, I thought the, the, all the screens and films were just too distracting and it kind of took away from Kylie. It felt like we were just watching, it's like when you go and see those, like Love Actually, and there's an orchestra who's playing along with the film. It's like you're watching the film, but you're not really listening to the orchestra. And it felt like we were watching things and not really watching Kylie. And that kind of maybe charged me a little bit. The tour received critical acclaim from music critics who praised the show for its simplicity in comparison to Minogue's previous tours. So this is probably where the critics and some fans differ. So some fans probably wanted the showgirl entrance or, you know, Kylie coming out on a big skull. Uh, <laughs> but the music critics who, who you've read it at the time loved its simplicity and, and her delivery on it. The tour was commercially successful. According to Billboard, the three concerts in London at the O2 grossed $3.3 million with, with 30,000 tickets sold, placing her at the oh. eighth spot of the biggest concerts in September 2018. I'm not saying it's a bad one. <laughs> I sound very critical. I know people will be sharpening their pens and saying, oh, you're so moany, you're so miserable. <laughs> I'm very overly critical. I can't help it. But, I mean, I love the experience of going to see Kylie. I went the first time, and I, I this is the thing. You go the first time. It's like when, I remember seeing Batman Returns one time. The first time I saw it, I didn't <gasps> think much of it. It's now one oh, of my favourite films because I watch things and I, I watch things and I have to take them all in. So I'm kind of dissecting as it happens in front of me. And I think I do the same things with Kylie's shows and her albums. And, you know, I watched the first one and I kind of maybe was critical about the opening part because I thought, God, it's very slow. The second time I went to see it, I did enjoy it more. Um, and I think it's because I, was, I wasn't thinking ahead. I think I, 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 that's the dangerous thing about going to see shows. You go there wanting to see what you're expecting and you're not happy until you've seen it all, and then you don't really enjoy it as you're watching it because you're wondering, oh, what's next? What's happening? Is she going to do that song? And it's a silly thing. I'm, I'm impatient and I'm, and I'm greedy and I want it to be the best thing ever. So I think sometimes I get carried away and I, 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 I kind of don't get to enjoy the show the first time I see it, but when I see it the second time, I can sit back and think, oh, well, I know what's happening now, so I can now enjoy it. So when I'm a little bit critical, it's not that I'm uh, dismissing Kylie, it's just that I'm just expressing how I felt at the time and then how I see it now. So, you know, um, I kind of enjoy the show as a whole. There are bits that I would have liked tightened up slightly, mm. but, but hey. Okay, so let's talk about the Carly Smiley's and the Mononos on the <laughs> album itself. We haven't done any of those for a long time. I feel like we've missed out. I know, on, I know it's we been a while. It a while. <laughs> um, with all of our special guests. Oh, <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> so, which are your Mononos? Let's start with the Mononos first. Um, my Mononos, I would say, oh God, Radio 1, of course, because it's terrible. Oh my God. Um, I'm sorry, yeah, it's not, it's not one of my favourites. And I'd also say, if I'm honest, I would say Lost Without You. Christian, I can I hear the a bit, uproar a bit, it's a bit, from here. You, it's a bit forgettable. I can hear the, see, Lost Without You is, what, is my smiley, definitely my smiley. Oh, wow. And I'll go with the smiley thing at the moment, and I'm going to say... Lost Without You and Sincerely Yours and My Smileys, but my, my Monono's would probably be Love and Live a Little because they're the two that I don't really <laughs> recognize. Now, how odd, because I'm going to go and say, how odd, I'm going to say that my Smileys are Sincerely Yours, so we, we definitely agree mm-hmm. on that one, but I'm going to say 
live a little because I really like the melody. I just wish it was had a slightly different production, but I think it's a really good song. It's the one I've been listening to most. But then I will also add, I do love Shelby 68 and I do love love. I do love love. <laughs> I love love. Um, and so there's a lot of songs actually I do like more than I thought I did beforehand. Uh, but I think Radio On is the one that is the blandest one for me. It's the one that I would literally, uh, I, I'd flatline during, uh, I would flatline listening to no, it. So remember your task is to go and listen to the, like listen to it and listen to the lyrics and see if it changes your opinion. Cause I really think it will. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. Guys, if you want to get in touch with us, please email us at the Kylie Smiley podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at the diminutive collection. Christian, it's been an absolute joy. I'm going to leave it here and go and listen to Sincerely Yours on repeat, I think. (laughs) Lovely. See ya.